Hello and welcome to the Cat Maste Chronicles podcast. We have exciting, interesting and powerful stories from pet owners about their projects, businesses and ventures. I'm your host, Michelle Adams, founder of Chatty Cats Care, London's professional cat sitting company. Join me as I dive deep into conversation with pet owners to chat about their individual journeys and of course, their beloved pets. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Cat Maste Chronicles podcast. This week we are joined by Solomon Smith, the founder of Brixton Soup Kitchen, The Soup Kitchen provides people with food, drinks, companionship, advice and much, much more on a weekly basis. Solomon started feeding the homeless at the tender age of seven years old, which is when he recognised there was an issue in our society. Imagine being that young and recognising the problem. We can all do so much better. Solomon's aim is to eradicate homelessness completely. While this aim is big, it can be achieved if we're all making enough noise about it. So far, with the Soup Kitchen, opening in 2013, Solomon and his team have helped and fed thousands of homeless people and those in need of extra support. But they didn't stop there. They recognised that lots of homeless people have pet companions, whether it be a cat or a dog. So Solomon has also helped feed pets too. This is just amazing. So I knew I had to get in touch with Solomon and talk all about it. So without further ado, thank you so much for joining us today, Solomon. I've briefly introduced you and I've given some of the backstory about Brixton Soup Kitchen. But if you could tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, that would be amazing. Hi guys, my name is Solomon Smith. And yes, um, I'm the founder of a homeless charity called um, Brixton Soup Kitchen. And, um, you know, one of the main reasons why I, I've always wanted to kind of get into this line of work because, you know, I just remember, um, being exposed to homelessness, you know, seeing a lot of, um, homelessness in and around Brixton. You know, that's from a very young age of, from about 10, 11. Mm. And I was just like, you know, I'm quite lucky because I can go home. I've mm. got, I've got PlayStation. I, I get cooked meals. You know, and and homeless people are just literally just going to be here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I literally, that was just literally going around in my head. I literally couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. why. I just literally could not stop, I could not stop thinking about it. And I was just like, I just needed to do something. You know, despite there was a lot of adverts. I don't know if you remember. There was, there used to be a lot of adverts saying, oh, you know, pay three pound a month and, you know, you help this homeless person to get a meal, etc. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, I've been seeing these adverts for years. Why am I still seeing homeless people go hungry? You know? And I was just like, you know, instead of me complaining about it, let me just do something about it. That's amazing because not a lot of people, like, you'll have those thoughts, but, like, not a lot of people actually take action and yeah. do something. Yeah. So, um, it's amazing that you actually thought, do you know what? Yeah. Now it's time for me to actually do something. Yeah. So, let's take it uh, back a bit. Yeah. You were born and bred on the notorious Moorlands Estate in Brixton. Yeah. What was life back, like back then? Life was amazing. Yeah. Like, 
I always say to people, having no money mm-hmm. and having all friends with no money was amazing. Mm-hmm. If we had if we had 50p, that would be enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 50p could get us a drink and a crisp. You know, panda pop. Panda pop. <laughs> you know when you scrape the panda pop on the side of the wood and you just suck, suck it from the bottom? Those experiences is what I absolutely love and I miss. Yeah. literally you know um so i've got two kids myself mm-hmm. and i say to them the things what we used to do we never had phones we never had google we never had snapchat we literally used to wait for t-mobile to crash so if t-mobile <laughs> crashed we've literally got 50 minutes of free calls free texts <laughs> Like you, like you would know when someone when T-Mobile's crashed because everybody's phone. I actually forgot about that, you know. Everybody's phone used to go. So we knew. Oh my god, guys! It's free texting. It's free texting. You know, and things just like that was amazing. You know, we used to bus pass used to cost a pound, and we used to just get on buses and just ride it to the last stop. You know, so growing up in on 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 a notorious estate like Mourners Estate was amazing you know despite you know there was gang warfare despite there was um you know um the drug culture you know we just knew that there was life way much more than our estate and i guess there's such a community feel as well like when you go to an estate in comparison to like I don't know, a road of nice houses. You don't really see people come out of their houses and, like, talk to each other or play out or, like, engage with each other. You don't see people going into each other's houses. But on an estate, you're, like, one big family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so there, so 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 there would always be houses what would be like open to mm. like everyone. Like we know the rules in it. That like the rules are: don't come there with any bad vibes. Don't be stealing from people's mm-hmm. houses. You know, so people's houses just just, just used to be left open. You yeah. know, and my community cohesion come from my estate. So I remember there'll be somebody who will be very good at cooking jerk chicken. Mm. There'll be somebody who'll be cooking rice. They'll bring over the rice and then they'll all share the jerk chicken and mm. everybody's eating. Exactly. That is what, that's what I, I was, I was born and raised in. Mm-hmm. You know, despite a lot of my friends didn't grow up with their mum or their dad, I was quite lucky. I took it for granted. Mm. That I had my mum and my dad in my household. Okay. And a lot of my friends grew up with their grandma, grew up with their uncle. And, you know, if they literally didn't go out and still, mm. they'd not be able to eat that night. We used to go to, I used to use my, 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 um, I used to use my chore money and, and take my friends to Quicksave mm. to buy, to buy, you know, um, um, a family shopping. A family shopping at that time could cost easily up to like fifteen pounds. Hey Solomon, I, I can relate as well. Like I remember like after school or on the weekends, like if I was playing out with friends, like they'll come to my house for dinner and it was yeah. nothing. Like it yeah. was just normal. Like, that's how it was and they'll go to their house, yeah. you know, sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like that now. No. Which is sad. No. Um no. but yeah. At seven years old you decided that you wanted to do something to help homeless people in your yeah. community. Because you would see people, like you mentioned earlier, in a far worse situation than you are. Like you're at home, what you mm. have your PlayStation, you have a warm bed, yeah. like and people are out, especially in the winter time, because that's mm. the hardest time. Yeah. So how did that all start? Like when did you decide? Do you know what I? Because seven years old, so like mm. you know, to to think to have those thoughts yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Like so, yeah. How, how did you start like feeling? Do you know what you see that when I was like seven? Yeah. 
it, it, I find it weird. Oh, was it weird? I used to, I used to see things like you know, people's Barbies on the floor, out outside in the rain, you know. Mm. And I used to be like, no, the Barbie don't like it. It's it's raining, you oh. know. I need to bring it in my house and you know, you know, dry it up and just pull it under the covers. That's and so it, cute. And it wasn't. It it literally wasn't my toy. Mm. And I knew from the age of seven that I had a tender, loving, care nature. Mm. You know, I would see something was not right and just be like, that's not that's not right. You know? And it's not until I got older, until I was about 11, I used to kind of go out um, shopping with my mum and, you know, there would be certain parts of Brixton where we're not allowed to go to. My mum's like, we're going to go to this shop, that shop and back home. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like, what's around there look like you know and it's not until I started secondary school where I was literally allowed to walk up Brixton by myself Mm. is when I'm now walking past different parts of Brixton that I've Mm. never seen and that's when I was exposed to homelessness and I was just like I I can't this don't sit well with me it literally don't sit well so ever since then I was just like you know containing food what my mum used to cook and literally used to bring it out before I had to go to school I literally oh, done that for about I done that for a whole year every day. And I bet mm. like the people were so grateful as well. Yeah, at first they were like, Who is this little fat kid? <laughs> Why is he giving us food? Why is he giving us food? And we and us as humans, you know, we have that thing. If somebody's doing good, we the first thing we're thinking about is why? This, yeah, why? Why is this person doing that? You know, even till now, you know, I get a lot of people just saying to me, Why do you do what you do? Mm. And I'm saying, Because I can. Yes. You know, there's no hidden agenda. I physically, this is, I'm, I'm physically passionate about trying to help. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, Absolutely. I've watched the, the Malcolm X's, the, um, the, um, the Mother Teresa's, and those, um, those are people I look up to. Yeah. You know, when Mother Teresa died, I was like, does that mean the good in the world's finished? Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, I think I need to carry on what she's, you know, you see what I'm saying? And what those people have is legacy because you'll always remember them for what they did, you know, and how they cared for people. So, you know, I think Mm. you'll have the same because you've done a lot, so you should be proud. Um, What was school like for you? Because I read um, that you would often get in trouble at school Mm. and it was possibly due to your dyslexia. I also experienced this as a child and a young person. Mm. So I know what it's like being labelled by the system and teachers. What was that like for you? Um, So the teachers never... I knew I was dyslexic from year one okay so from a very young age like when the teacher used to write on the board i don't know if you remember they used to write on on the blackboard used to be on with charcoal with charcoal mm. so they never used to have those fancy white, white yeah, boards. yeah yeah so i remember she wrote the first of september 1991 and i couldn't read september i knew it was september because she said it was september yeah but you just couldn't but i physically could not when she wrote her name miss griffiths i could not read it and I was like, I only know it's Miss Griffiths because she said it. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, when I used to go home, my little brother was way younger than me. And he was able to read the newspaper page for page, page for page. Wow. So I was just thinking, maybe it's going to come to me a bit later. You know, yeah, it comes yeah. to people in time. Yeah. It never came for me. So I literally started secondary school. Year 7, 1996 is when I started. And... 
I just remember, I just remember um, going to school but being very, very popular. Okay. So the first day I went there, there was like, oh, he's from Summerlater. So Moorlands Estate is known as Summerlater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of people would be like, oh, these are the fat twins. So I've got a twin brother. Oh, these are the okay. fat twins. They're from Summerlater. Make sure you look after them. So from the very first day, we had the school under my arms. Yeah, yeah. Everyone. Everybody just loved us yeah. because all the, all the most popular guys there was like, these are the guys... From year seven to year eleven, I enjoyed school, okay. but what I didn't enjoy was the learning. Yeah. So my school, at the time, they didn't pick up dyslexia. Mm -hmm. It was either you can do it or you can't, and if you can't do it, you're being disruptive. Yeah. So I was always labelled as disruptive. So I was like, well, if you're gonna keep on saying I'm disruptive, I'm just gonna just be disruptive then. Exactly. Because you're not gonna sit here. I remember they said I had a, a reading level of an eight-year-old, and, and I was in year, I was in year nine. I had a reading level of an eight-year-old, and I was in year nine. So the next year is when I'm literally taking, I'm doing like planning for GCSEs. Yeah. There was no way of me doing it. So I was saying, how did you identify that I had a reading level of an eight-year-old? I'm now trying to take my subjects to do GCSEs and you never picked it up that I had learning difficulties. Exactly. And Come on. you never picked it up. So they were just like, oh, Solomon's coming in. He's coming in the classroom. And so I was just like, well, cool, then if you're going to keep on... I'm just going to flip over the table. Yeah, yeah, do you see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And that is what, what life was that for me. You know, I had a lot of friends who helped me to do my coursework. That's good. So when they helped me to do my coursework, they were like, Solomon, I've done the coursework for myself, but also done the coursework for you. That's nice. And that is literally <laughs> how I got entered to do my GCSEs. Oh, wow. So they done all my coursework for me. I got entered for about 14 GCSEs and I felt them miserably because now I had no help. I had no friends. Mm -hmm. I literally was on a table by myself mm -hmm. and I put my name down and I literally left it. Yeah. I tried to go for it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So I literally left school at 15 with zero GCSEs. Mm -hmm. I had... The highest grade I got was an E. That mm. was the highest. And I was getting Zs and Us. Mm. So I was like, I'm also the sell drugs. I've seen all the older people in my state do it. I'm also the sell drugs. Because I've I've left school as a failure. Mm. You know, they put in your head, you know, if you if you finish if you don't finish school, you're yeah. just gonna go to the you're gonna yeah. go to jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just like, I'm done. I'm finished. Mm. You know, so mm -hmm. school for me was amazing, but it wasn't amazing. No, yeah. the system failed you. They De did definitely. massively, definitely. massively. And if it wasn't for your group of friends, yeah. they're amazing. Yeah, by yeah, the way, I yeah, wish yeah, I had yeah. some friends like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Like if it wasn't for them, then it could have been far worse. Yeah, for yeah, you. yeah. So yeah, thank God for them. But like, yeah, the the education system they still need to go a yeah. long way because yeah. i think that people are still being failed in the system so um thank you for sharing yeah. that because i think it's important because mm. a lot of people are probably experiencing yeah. that right yeah. now yeah. yeah um so you ended up in goldsmiths university yeah, yeah which is amazing yeah. i yeah. also went to goldsmiths yeah. so yeah. um it was amazing to read that that mm. you also went there mm. um but then you um also worked as a youth worker for 12 yeah. years. Yeah. Um, 
So you went on to do so many things despite yeah. not having GCSEs. And I think yeah. that's important to say as well because I think that the kind of the the society we live in, they make you feel like you need those qualifications yeah, for everything. Yeah. I'm not yeah. being funny, but I haven't used algebra mm. ever. Yeah, 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 when yeah. have I used it, please? Yeah, so why yeah, are you yeah. making me do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they need yeah. to change it completely. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it was at Goldsmiths. Was it then at Goldsmiths that you discovered you had dyslexia? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because you did yeah. the test. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So for me, so let me bring it back. For me to actually get into uni. Um, when I was like, when I was like 15, when I left school, you know, six weeks holiday was like a matrix. So mm. every day we're getting up, playing pound up, stolen mopeds, <laughs> run away from police, go to bed, wake up, play pound up, stolen mopeds, run away from police, then we go to bed. So it was like the same routine yeah. every day. Yeah. Wow. And I, and then I literally walked on my state and I was like, this person plays music. This person here always cooking jerk chicken. This person here, you know, um, is very good with kids. This person. So I said, why don't I get all of these skills and put it all together? Mm. So I said to everybody, go into the pitch Saturday. Bring your, bring your music. Bring it to the pitch Saturday. Bring your jerk pan. If you need any chicken, I'll go and buy chicken, season up. Bring it to the pitch on Saturday. Bring it to the pitch on Saturday. So on the Saturday, we created a community day. Wow. Where sound system was playing, people's eating food, everybody's coming out. And it was funny because I saw people who's always lived on my estate who I've never seen before in my life. Okay. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. So from then, there was a thing called the Big Community Grant where they give you up to £3,000 for a community project okay cool um again i couldn't really read or write but i was very good at knowing what i wanted so mm. having friends around who could write mm. the write while i talk mm. the talk so i was like guys i want to put on a community event get the community together we pay for this we get that we get this we get that they used to give me 2002 2200 just to put on a one-day community event Oh, wow. So I would buy chicken, this, Everything. and I learned how about, about keeping receipts. Remember yes. this, but I'm only 16. Wow. So they giving me £2,000, yeah. I could have done anything. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, I want to do a community event. So That's every year I've done a community event, done evaluation forms, people loved it, and then every year they used to just give me money to do events, do events. Amazing. Um, what I also was very good at as well is um, I was one of the first ones to start up um, taking people to like Alton Towers. Okay. So what I done was is I went to my local youth club, and I saw how they would get free tickets. Mm. So I'll be with my youth worker, and my, and my youth worker will be on. He'll be on the phone. Remember, we didn't have like laptops or computers. Yeah. It was literally he had a number written on a post-it note saying Alton <laughs> Towers, and that was the number. So I see him saying, hello, my name is Dave. Um, I'm from Lapa Youth Club. And um, we've got 50 young people here who's never experienced going to Orton Towers before. Is there any way you can donate 50 tickets? Orton Towers was like, yeah. Amazing, okay. So I was like, I can do that. Yeah. I went home, got the yellow pages. <laughs> no way. Went to Orton Towers. 
I said, hello, my name is Solomon Smith. I'm calling from the Moreland Youth Community Centre. Um, I just wanted just to let you know, um, people from Brixton will never experience going to Orton Towers because of the poverty and, mm. and, and basically can't never afford it. Mm. So what we're trying to do is just trying to organise a day for them just to experience the lovely pleasures that you have at Orton Towers. <laughs> where I learned this about grooming their ego, yeah, making them feel good yeah, yeah. and making them also give back. Yeah. They said, yes, I'm like, this sounds amazing. Wow. Okay. Where do we send the tickets to? <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh my God. A Why? ticket is like 50 pounds. Yeah. They literally, they literally. Just gave you. Just gave me 50 tickets. <laughs> Mad. So I was like. So I was like, how are we going to get there? Again, I'm dyslexic, so I don't have to spell coach. Okay. So I'm in the end of pages, and I'm going on the case. Yeah. Looking for coach. I can't find coach. So then I went out Brixton, because I remember there used to be a lot of coaches driving up and down in Brixton. Mm. And I would just wait there until I saw a coach. And I know the number was at the back. And I was like, coach, you spoke with a C. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> so when I saw the number, I wrote down the number, and I said, hi, my name is Solomon Smith. I'm from the Mourners Community Centre. We've been donated 50 tickets by Orton Towers, but we've got no means of getting there. Is there any way you guys can donate a coach? They said, yeah. Wow, okay. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> now, when we actually got to Orton Towers, the one of the reps at Orton Towers, you know, when the coach comes in, mm. the reps want to speak to the organiser. Mm -hmm. And then they was like, oh, can I speak to the organiser? And I was like, I am the organiser. They was like, how old are you? I said, I'm 15. They said, how the hell did you organise all of this, yeah. all these people and the coach to get from London to here to Orton Towers? I was like, I don't know. They all said, this is good. You need to take this as a job. Oh, take this wow. as a job because this is you're the youngest person we've ever seen who's organised to Orton Towers. Really? Now, when I was actually in Orton Towers, seeing everybody going, Solomon, this is amazing. Oh my God, I only see this on TV. Oh my God. Is when that day is when I felt that I didn't need GCSEs. Mm -hmm. I didn't need qualifications to create what I've created. Exactly. So ever since then is when I was like, I want to do more community events. I want to do work with more young people. I literally I got a job for Lambeth Youth Council. Then I got a job as as um, as a youth worker for Lambeth, and I just kind of collect all the evidence that mm -hmm. I've done left, right, and center, and then that. From the portfolio is when, you know, my manager at the time at Lambeth was like, you know, you can go to university. And I was like, how? I've never even yeah, stepped yeah. foot in a college. Yeah. I've never gone to college. How am I going to go from leaving school with no GCSEs to go to yes. university? University was way out my reach. And he says, as a mature student, you can go to university over 21 with no qualifications. Mm. I was like, I didn't know that. So when I applied on the UCAS form, mm -hmm. again, I couldn't do it. I had to get my friends so help, yeah. to, do, to do the, make it look nice up for me. And then um, I went to the interview at, uh, at Goldsmith and they were so wild of the amount of level of experience done. I've done. Mm. They was like, you're wrong. But then the day I actually started uni was the day I felt like I was back at school. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I can't do it. Yeah. I don't understand what they're talking about. They want me to go to the library, get all the information mm -hmm. from the library. I can't read. Mm -hmm. And then that's when the day I was just like, I'm leaving. Yeah. 
So I'm just walking around the uni, being fast, just walking around, and then I see a thing called this dyslexic awareness. So I said, oh, let me go in there. I booked an appointment, but the appointment was two days later. When I actually done the test, they said my level of dyslexia was so high, they don't believe I'll be able to finish the course. No way. They said your dyslexia level is so high. We don't think you're going to be able to do the course. However, there is ways that you could pass the course. Okay. By getting somebody to to um, um to take your notes for you, yeah. to do reading for you. We can give you equipment. We mm. can give you this. We can give you that. Internet. They gave me the works. Amazing. Up to £8,000 worth of equipment. Amazing. And that literally helped me. Yeah. So it helped me that I couldn't read from a white paper. I needed, it needed to be on like a blue paper mm. for me to cut, for it to kind of understand in my mind. Yeah. You know, um, dictaphones, what could only pick up the lecture, then I could put a dictaphone to my laptop, what would come out as a word. Transcribe it, yeah. Yeah. You know, my essays, I didn't get marked down on my essays. So, ever since then, man, school for them, from then, was amazing. Yeah. You know, I passed with a 2-1. Amazing. And the day I passed with a 2-1, that was literally the highest level of qualification ever in my <laughs> life. I was like, I cannot believe I've, I've achieved a degree. I cannot believe. But then, the day I actually handed in my dissertation is the day I started the soup kitchen. Okay, wow. It's the day. Straight away. Straight away. Amazing. Straight away. Amazing. I mm. feel like you grow in confidence as well mm. when you start to see these things happening. And yeah. all they needed to do, all that needed to happen in your secondary school was for them to support you and believe in you the same way they did at Goldsmiths. Yeah. Because that could have been done from ages ago. Yeah. But I had the same experience mm. as well yeah. with Goldsmiths. Um, and mm. they really helped me in the dyslexia mm. department as well. Um, and I had no idea I could get a mm. degree like yourself. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, they. I want to big up Goldsmiths because yeah, <laughs> they've done definitely. a lot. They've yeah, done a lot yeah. for us, and um, yeah, if it mm. wasn't for them, I yeah. think you know, like you wouldn't have maybe had the confidence to just start there, and yeah, then yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have started my business. And yeah, yeah here we yeah. are today. Yeah. So it's amazing. So then you decided that you wanted to open like a bricks and mortar site. Mm. You wanted like an establishment for the soup kitchen. Yeah. Why did you want that? Why was it important for you to have like a building? Um, so, for working for, for local government all my life, I didn't like the fact of when a young person would come to me and say, oh, Solomon, I would like to come on this trip. And I would have to say no because he's mm. from Southwark. Oh. I hated that. So, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I was the, I was the different youth worker. Mm. I was the type of youth worker who would say, you're not from Suffolk, you're from Lambeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just so that you can go. Okay. Mm. So I said, if I ever was to start up something, I want it to be where we don't care about race, mm. religion, sexuality, postcode, we don't care. If you're hungry, hunger does not strike on postcode. Mm-hmm. Hunger does not only differentiate on sexuality. Us as humans, and what I learned from uni, is the Maslow theory. Mm. Everybody has the basic needs of food. Mm-hmm. And one of the main reasons why I wanted, to, I wanted to build it, because I just didn't want it to focus on just food. I wanted to focus on therapy. 
I wanted to focus on training. I wanted to focus on people being not people, homeless people. This is the this is their last resort. What were they before they were homeless? Everybody was doing something before they come homeless. Yeah. So my thing is, is what could we do to get you back in a situation that you already was in? So our logo was designed by a homeless person. Wow. Our flyer was designed by a homeless person. Amazing. You know, our, our email was set up by a homeless person. And these are the needs and the skills that they've already had. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. And it's just about tapping into their skill sets to make them feel confident that their skill sets have still worked. Mm-hmm. And they're still able to get out of the situations. And uh, we've helped so many people get out of the situation. Yeah, because I guess when you're like feeling, you know, down and out, people are judging you in society because you're homeless. You forget your worth and you mm-hmm. forget that you actually have skills and talents and yeah. you forget who you were before. You forget yourself completely. Yeah. And all of that stripped from you. Because of the way you're viewed and yeah. because of how you're treated. Yeah. So, yeah, establishments like this and the soup yeah. kitchen where you can actually come and, you know, realign yourself and, and get to know who you are again. That's so powerful. Most stuff. So Most important stuff. as well. Yeah. Most for stuff. so many Most people. So how did you go about setting up the soup kitchen? I guess, like, for my business, personally, I was, like, bootstrapping. So I was, like, just using the money that I had to keep mm. funneling in mm. because I had no support or funding. Yeah. What was it like for you? Did you just set up um, by using your own finances, set up piece by piece? What, what I, I literally was just like, let me use the contacts to try to get a centre. So I knew a lot of centres were mainly run as community centres where it's usually after five o'clock. So I said, let me have a service within the morning because not a lot of centres are open in the morning. You know, I've got a centre on on my estate and we was running from, um, we was running from 10 in the morning till two, Tuesdays to Thursdays, using my own money. So I was still, as me working as a youth worker for Lambeth, I started work at five o'clock. So by the time I finish at two, I've got like two hours grace and then I start work. And then I finish work at nine. And that was me every day. So my my so what I used to get paid is is what used to get pumped into the soup kitchen to do logos, flyers, publicity, to buy food, you know, to help with the electric, things like that. I done that for about two years using my own money. Okay. And I didn't care. Cause mm-hmm. I I was just like I've 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 got money. Yeah. You know I want to help. Mm-hmm. You know it's not much, but at least it's better than me asking for funding when I have to wait. Funding is not how how easy as it used to be back in the days. Yeah. Now it's about waiting and 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 reviews and I ain't got time. I want to start this right now. You know. So right now we're we're, we're so lucky we're in a space now where. So many people know about the work that we're doing. We're helping so many people. But if I just didn't initially have that first step, we wouldn't be where we are now. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Like, you just have to start. I think when you start, because a mm. lot of people make that mistake, like waiting, like you said, waiting for funding or waiting for this or waiting for something to happen. Sometimes you just, you can't wait and you have to do it. Like, yeah. with urgency. Yeah. Once yeah. you have done it, then you know you know what you need to do yeah, yeah, after that yeah. it's just about starting mm. so 
Today, the kitchen provides for anyone who can't afford to eat mm. and all of the services that are offered outside of just simply providing people for meals is just amazing, like you've just spoken about. So can you tell us a bit more about those other services that you provide for people in the soup kitchen? Yeah, so we do massage therapy. Wow. We do um, gardening workshops, painting workshops. Um, we do training first aid training, cookery training. Um, we also got a food bank, a clove bank. Um, we do like interview techniques, CV and cover letters. Um, guys, the list goes on. You know, we <laughs> say to people that, you know, food, you know, is like 10% of what we actually do. Mm. You know, we want to we wanna help with people with housing, getting into hostels, getting into training, getting into colleges, getting back into university, getting into work. Those are our main ethoses at the soup kitchen. You know, yeah. we, we can give somebody a plate of food, yeah. but then it's going to mean that they're going to come tomorrow for exactly. another plate of food. Exactly. You know, we want to learn that we can give you a plate of food to get you in, entice you in, but then figure out what the problems are. What you're doing is doing something for sustainable change. Yeah. So this is sustainable because people can, you know, learn new skills, mm. do something, develop their CV, get a job. Then they won't ever have to come back, hopefully. You know, Most they'll change their life around. Yeah. So like yeah. you said, you, you're spot on. Yeah. Like you give a meal. Okay, it's great. You're stopping someone, you know, from being hungry. Mm. But then they're going to be hungry the next day. Yeah. So yeah. what can we do, yeah. you know, yeah. to stop that? So, yeah, yeah that's, that's so cool. That's yeah. really amazing. Yeah. And I can't believe how many services and <laughs> things you provide here. Yeah. I'm shocked. Yeah. Um, so I know one of your um, old childhood friends, Jennifer, does she run the kitchen here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and like you said at the beginning, you recognised um, passions in different mm, people. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I think, you know, she, she was experiencing some of her own difficulties. Mm, yeah. Um, but then this opportunity at the soup kitchen helped her too. Yeah. Can you tell us mm. a little bit more about that? So a lot of the times, you know, we, we get quite a lot of volunteers and we always say to people, you know, the volunteers that we have here are also in need. Mm. You know, they're, even if it's helping them with their anxiety, helping them with their depression, helping them with them looking for work, even helping them trying to, you know, even get a food pack. I say those are the best volunteers because they know hand in hand what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So we always say to people, it's not just about us helping homeless people, but it's about us helping people. Mm. You know, where we all go through it, regardless of the situations where we are in our lives, we're going through it. And we need to all find ways to deal with this, the harsh realities of life. You know, I literally sat down with my kids to apologise. I sat down with both of my kids and I said, guys, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I brought you into this world and this world is so hard. Life is going is not going to be easy. Life is only easy now because I'm making it look easy. But when you grow up and you have to go to school by yourself and you have to get on the London transport by yourself, you're going to realise not everybody is nice. Mm. Not everybody is going to take what you enjoy, take it seriously how you do. Do you see what I'm saying? And these are the things that we go through every day. You know, women, I've got a daughter, and I'm saying, you're going to have it 10 times harder. Mm. I'm not trying to create you having anxiety now, but I'm yeah. just saying you're going to go through 
you know, women get hated on all every day yeah. by men. You know, and men don't understand what they're doing as men. We don't know what we're doing as men. We just think we're just here to prey on women. You know, so we go through so much as humans and it is so hard. It's and hard. it's just like, you know, we go through, you know, maybe we might smoke weed, we might we might drink alcohol. This is what we do to get away from the harsh realities. Mm. So what do you reckon homeless people do? Yeah, exactly. They do the exact same thing. Exactly. And you can't judge people for no. that. Unless you're in that situation. You need to, I think that you learn most, you know, if you face similar situations mm-hmm. yourself. And that's why when you said about, you know, the volunteers, if you if you have someone that can relate, like you as a youth worker, you yeah. could relate to certain situations that young people were going through. Yeah. So therefore you understood them better and you that's knew right. what to do to help them. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's so important for, for people to be in these roles yeah, yeah. who have experienced things mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they can relate personally and Most on a stuff. different level. You don't need someone who's going to judge you. You yeah, need someone yeah. who's going to understand you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, your children sound like they have a really good mm-hmm. role model anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, it sounds like they, they're having a great mm-hmm. start to life of, of understanding and mm-hmm. knowing things. Um, yeah. And seeing what you're doing as well, so yeah, I can only imagine they're going to go on to do good things <laughs> as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, what have things been like in the soup kitchen since COVID started? Last oh year? my god, COVID has been ah, <laughs> oh, COVID has been so crazy. Like literally, like yeah. I mean, we we had an inkling that mm. it was going to be quite crazy. Yeah, but it was like. It was like when they were saying that we're going to go on lockdown and we didn't know that was going to affect us straight away. Yeah. When I mean people was panic buying, a lot of our oh. donations literally come to a stop. Wow. A lot of people who wanted to support us literally stopped. You know, a lot of big companies that usually give us a lot of donations yeah. stopped because they was like, we can't get you. All of our staff is off. Oh, They're wow. all scared. Oh, wow. I'm like, oh my God. God, this is so crazy, you know. And we was just like, we can't stop because mm. if we stop, who's gonna provide people who who can't go home and isolate? Yeah. Remember, there was always talking about isolation, isolation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We can isolate because we've got homes. Mm-hmm. What about people who don't have homes? Exactly. You didn't hear them. Yeah. Know, they never spoke about yeah. them. And I was like, we can't stop. So we just decided just to carry on. Amazing. So we was just like, put a mask, put on gloves. Mm-hmm. Give give everybody a call, see if it, see if everybody's okay, mm. and go to where they are. Yeah, we literally just went to where they are, provided them um, hot meals, well, mm. provided them um, um, food packs. Yeah, and we just kind of just kept it going. Yeah, no, that's the most mm. important thing to do because like maybe the world stops by the media, but mm. like it hasn't stopped. Yeah, 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 yeah. Realities haven't yeah, stopped. Yeah. So I saw your video online when you guys were delivering the food boxes out to people. It was quite a long video, but I actually mm. watched all of it because uh-huh. <laughs> I really loved it. I love to see the genuine thankfulness on people's faces yeah. um, when you handed over the bags of food. Um, why was it so important for you to do this outreach for those families that were in need? It was very important for us is because they felt that everybody has let them down. Mm. And it was very important that we had to kind of show some humanity that there is people 
that are going to who's looking to go beyond and beyond, mm-hmm. and we wanted to go beyond and beyond because we again we all knew that we can we can all go home. Yeah, and there'll be food on our table. Yeah, we didn't want to be selfish to know that we can just stay at home and 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 eat. Yeah, and I'm not comfortable me going home knowing that somebody somebody could be out there really needing my help. Yeah, you know, I sometimes you know you, you know you know they say you can't save everyone. But I feel like I can try. Mm-hmm. Let me try and see what I can do. Yeah, exactly. Do you see what I'm saying? And I always say to people, it's not that hard. It's not that hard just to help somebody who's who's in need. You it's know. True. So I just like I just needed to I just needed to do it. Yeah. I had to do it. Because you guys also helps like low income families. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. So people who's in low incomes. Because remember, remember they're rising the prices on everything now. Yeah. So we had to give out hand sanitizers, face masks, because people just couldn't get those yeah. basic healthy necessities. So we was just like, we need, to, we need to provide these things. Yeah. You know. So yeah, but we was just literally just we was out there. You guys have done some mm. great work, but you've also had some night like really good supporters as well. I think um, from the likes of like Presa Manger, Greg's, mm. yeah. Nando's, Morrison's, to name a few, um, offered donations. And I'm guessing like that wasn't straight away mm. when all of the craziness was happening. No, no. But um, did you ever expect like these kind of big brands to to give you donations? No way, no way. We was like, you know, when we was getting calls from all these corporates, we was like, is this really happening? Like they really want to support us, you know? And it's just been so crazy. Like it's been so just you know fulfilling that these people want to support us. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It's, it is important. Mm. The only thing with me is, I I just get worried that sometimes certain big corporates do things so that they look good. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's that's what it is for. And yeah. I, because I know it is that, I want to know what can I get from this. Yeah, it's true. It's true. What can I get from this? Yeah. Can I make sure that you know your PR looks good and a homeless person is being fed? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just basically just you know, you know what I, the, the term I always say: lick ass to kick ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Straight no, you have as to. that. You have to. Straight as that. Because at the end of the day, like egos aside, this yeah. is for people who need it. Need it, yeah. So yeah, it is important. Not I also true. saw that Lush donated some things to you. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think hygiene is so important because mm. I believe that it makes a person feel like refreshed having a wash and being clean can actually, you know, help a person and make them feel so much better within themselves, mentally and physically. Um, What do you think about that? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that's why Lush has been so amazing because, Mm. you know, even though, despite their stuff being so mad expensive, the amount of stuff they give us is thousands and thousands of pounds of their product. They're amazing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing, and you know they say, "Do you want to join us to cut it up for you? Do you want shampoos? Amazing. Anything you want, we just give them a call and we get it." Yeah, you know, so they've been they've been amazing. To and the good thing about them is like they have sustainable things, so like the solid shampoos and stuff, they actually last quite yeah. a long time. Yeah. So that's good for people who can't afford to to yeah. buy. Yeah. You know, yeah. they'll just have that, and that will last for like maybe mm. a month or, yeah, or yeah, however yeah. long. Yeah. So yeah. that's really good. Yeah. Um, but now moving on to my favourite part of the show, which is pets. Can you tell us about your experience with any pets? Have you ever owned any? And if so, what has that been like? I've I've never owned a pet. Mm-hmm. I've always been scared of dogs. 
Have you? And the reason why I was scared of dogs is because, you know, you know, like when people say, no, no, my dog don't bite, my dog don't bite. <laughs> Your dog don't bite you. <laughs> yeah. But dogs bite. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? So on my estate, there used to be like a lot of stray dogs. Okay. Um, people breeding pit bulls. Yeah. And fine. I literally got savaged. And it was funny because I used to feed this dog. I used to literally roll with this dog and this dog literally turned on me and oh, savaged no. me. And that just made my my dislike for dogs even higher. Yeah. So I so even when I'm speaking to people and they say, I'll oh, come over to my house, the first thing I'll be like, have you got a dog? Have you got a dog? Have you got a dog? Even till now, I'm like, have you got any pets? Have you got any pets? <laughs> because I'm always saying to trauma. people, yeah, like yeah. I've got mad trauma. So, you know, it's just kind of just letting people know that, you know, that your pet is amazing to you. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that when the dog's running off in the park, that somebody who has 100%. a trauma, that the dog's going to be all yeah, right to 100%. them. Because a dog can smell fair, mm. you know, it might look like the dog's being excited, but then to another person, the dog might be being mad, yeah. vicious, yeah. you know what I mean? So, but for me to kind of overcome my trauma is I bought a dog. Did you? So I said, you know, let me buy a dog from like puppy, 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 puppy. Yeah. I bought a French bulldog. Oh, I've always, I've always liked Frenchies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always liked Frenchies. They are really popular. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I bought a Frenchie and I had it from, had it from like a baby. And, um, yeah, man. Now when the dog is moving vicious, what I used to be scared of, mm. I now understand that, you know, it's just playing, yeah. man. Do you know what I mean? But now when my friends come over, they're now scared. Oh, no. So now it's now it's so it's now like the tables is, is has reversed because yeah. I'm like no nah, the dog's all right man. So when my friends used to be like the dog's all right man, like, and I'm like no 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 no. <laughs> but now I say it to my friends because I I fully understand my dog. Yeah, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it's it's just a funny thing. No, do you know what it is? I think like it's how you raise the dog and yeah. people. You mm. know, if they're raising them to protect to fight mm. and like if you raise them to be vicious mm. then they're gonna be vicious, vicious like yeah. it's not the dog's fault yeah it's yeah. the owner yeah, yeah, yeah so and i agree with you though i think people need to be mindful of how they kind of like let their dogs roam and run towards people in the street yeah, because yeah. if someone is scared yeah or a child is scared then mm. that's not nice for them as well yeah, so yeah, yeah. People do need to be um, more mindful. I'm glad yeah. you said that, actually, because yeah. I haven't actually mentioned that before, but I think it's important yeah. to say yeah. that people need to to control their yeah. dog. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so I often see homeless people kind of cuddled up with a dog on the street. And most recently, I've actually seen a few cats mm. as well, which mm. has been quite surprising. Um, animals are really loving and great companions to homeless yeah. people. What do you kind of think about yeah. that as well? I've always said, you know, when people are donating, donate us um, pet food as well. Mm. Donate pet food because the amount of people that come in with pets. Yeah. And there's a lot of organisations and hostels that don't allow pets. Okay. And they and they would rather just be on the streets. They would. Because dogs are so, so loyal. Mm. So loyal. They'll be at their rain, sweep, snow, dogs will be with them. Yeah. You know, and because I know that is why we've got a massive back garden here. And we just say, you know, come in, get a food, chill out, put the dog in the back garden yeah. and you know, so pets, amazing. Yeah. Because of homelessness, you know, people, everybody wants to just have that friend in it. And the best friend is always a pet. Yeah. They keep them warm. They keep them safe. Yeah. You know? 
Um, and I think often people, um, like you said, would r- rather have their kind of pet fed than yeah. themselves yeah, even yeah, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, like I said, I read somewhere as well that you helped to feed some homeless pets um, and given some kind of like uh, pet owners food for them. Yeah. Um, is that something you do here as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we um, so we always say to people when they're doing like shopping or they're bringing stuff over, you know, try and get some pet food, some pet treats. Okay. Just so that you know, we're we're making the person, the the service user, comfortable that he don't need to share his food. Yeah. We want him to eat, but then make sure that the dogs. Is, is, is well nourished as well. That's a good point because they're probably going to give yeah, they're their probably food gonna, yeah, they're gonna give the food to, <laughs> to the, the dog. dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, now that you said yeah. that, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna try yeah. and do what I can as well yeah, to help definitely. and bring some food definitely. for you guys because um, I think that's important. Yeah. So, um, what can listeners do um, and supporters to help homeless people and their pets? Um, also, if anyone wanted to get involved and volunteer with you. How can they do this? Um, so, firstly, to help out, um, guys, we've got a donation page, you know. So, right now, we're called the BSK COVID-19 response team. And that is just, just responding to kind of anyone who kind of needs a food pack. You need food. You might have pets. And then we can go and, you know, give food to. So, you can donate to our um, to our, um, to our link. Hopefully, it'll be at the bottom. Yes. Um, um, please follow us on all social medias, Bricks and Soup Kitchen. Um, I'll just Google Bricks and Soup Kitchen and find all our social medias. Um, right now, because of COVID, we're waiting for things to ease and up. So hopefully by the time this comes down, um, comes out, um, that hopefully things will be eased up. But if it's not, please just look on social media. We're going to keep everyone updated on um, how to volunteer. Amazing. Thank you, Simon. Um, and for your fundraising, your target is 80,000. Can you tell us a bit more about how this funding can help you guys? Um, the funding will help us to pay staff, um, to get vehicles, to drive around. Everything that we do at the soup kitchen, you know, it all costs money. Mm, and, you know, us to kind of just fundraise is just a way of us to kind of just help for people to kind of, you know, so we could just pay staff a little wage where they can kind of, you know, you know, help with, you know, doing stuff like emails. Yeah. You know, doing a bit of cooking, you know, serving a food, even just bringing, having enough petrol in their car to go and bring a food pack over to East London. Mm. We just want it just to be accessible for everything kind of soup kitchen. Yeah. So that, that money can definitely help and it will go a long way. 100%. I'm going to make sure that that's included in the show notes and um, all of our social media posts for you guys as well. Thank you. Um, but thank you so much for talking to me today. Welcome. It's been a pleasure and it's been lovely speaking to you. Thank you. And you're very inspirational and I can't wait to see um, the soup kitchen thrive again. Oh, thank you so much. Once lockdown has eased. Thank you. Um, well, have a lovely rest of your day. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We have some amazing guests on the show who share such invaluable advice, stories and inspiration. Can you do me a favour? If you like this podcast, please could you rate, review and subscribe. This will help us reach people who can benefit from listening. 
Another way you could help is if you could tell a friend who you think might enjoy this podcast too. See you next week. Goodbye. Thank you.